Hi everyone, welcome to episode 24 of Kingdom Hearts and Other Stuff, or Chaos for short. I am your host, Zach Lyons, and with me today is a chef, a husband, a gamer, a friend, my buddy of the last 15 years or so, Josh Hofert. Hello. Hey everybody, how's it going? Everybody, how's it going? Mm-hmm. It's going well. It's awesome. going well. I don't know what that was. That was weird. Why did I do that? <laughs> But yeah, no, it's good. Awesome. Uh, how, Glad how's, to hear that. How's life? Uh, life's been treating me very well. Very well. Uh, good. Recently started diving into some... Uh, the next level of retro gaming collecting, as I like to call it. I guess to understand what the next level is, we need to know mm-hmm. what the first level was. So, uh, I, as many of you 30-year-old gamers out there, love the old stuff, you know? it's It's good. It's what we grew up with. So I've tried to hold yeah, on to some of that as it's been more accessible lately uh, with smaller gaming shops popping up everywhere and the internet. Hello. but uh, Yeah, the internet helps with collecting for sure. It does, but I want to circle back to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> so I've started just holding on to the stuff from the past that I really enjoyed, my old N64 and the old games that come along with it. But uh, since we got a new game store in town a few years back, games have become much more in my face and accessible. And I started purchasing more and kind of wanting to build the library, which had been put on hiatus for a while until just a recent spark kind of brought me back into it. And now I've started like compiling a database of all the games um, in a really neat app that I shared with you a few nights ago. That'll actually, yeah, very cool. Yeah, right? It uh, tracks all the value, the estimated value, based off of the current eBay sales, which isn't, I mean, the best way to gauge it, but realistically, that's what you're going to be buying or selling way. for. Yeah. You know? What's the name of the app? Uh, it is, I believe, just Retro Game Collector. Is this all it's called? Okay. It is a paid app. This is why I call it Next Level, because I now paid for the ability <laughs> to track my own stuff, and that's... That's not something I take lightly. As someone who plays mobile games almost completely, like maybe 99% free-to-play, Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> like, there was, there's a lot I'm of not... surveys I did with Google to get me the, the buy yeah. courage in order to purchase this app. But uh, <laughs> it's really nice. It lets you download individual, um, individual console databases, and that's how they get you first ones free. Like, hey, do you want to buy sure, sure. Super Nintendo? You're looking at Nintendo. That's only $8. Only for one system. Yeah. Well, at that rate, I might as well that's pay nice. the full $22 to unlock all of the consoles. If it's $8 a pop, then yeah, by the time you bought three of them, you've paid more than the total. So Exactly. But they do have, have a really neat breakdown. If you just are a Nintendo collector, you can just purchase the Nintendo systems for a cheaper price. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's nice. So for anybody out there for just that nostalgic stuff. And honestly, if you're like a proper collector and like you're actively looking to find stuff right. and track it, then like what you're showing me of, of the app, it looks fully worth the money to invest in it. So Absolutely. Yeah. If you're putting all that money into collecting, right? Yeah. They're trying to grow it. It's really neat. It shows you all the stuff you forgot about. Man, I forgot about so many games growing up. So mm-hmm. many games. Uh, Rainbow Islands from Taito, the spinoff of Bubble Bobble. <laughs> do you remember that one a spinoff of bubble a i remember spin-off. bubble bobble yeah there's a spinoff called rainbow islands that, that i remember I not playing know. and i always thought it was bubble bobble because it had some of the same creatures from the bubble bobble cover art but it was the first time i was introduced to this game you know that nostalgia trip again and so every time i saw bubble sure. bobble i'm like this isn't the game i remember playing though i remember those guys 
but like I made bridges with rainbows and killed people with rainbows and that's awesome yeah before we get too much deeper into the retro game sure, sure, collection discussion <laughs> I want to ask you what I ask most other people who come on the show uh, first off how familiar are you with the Kingdom Hearts series this being Kingdom Hearts and other stuff sure Kingdom Hearts so there's three of them now right the third <laughs> well, one just came out yeah yeah totally the third numbered Third, right so yep that's all you need to know there's three games <laughs> i adored the first kingdom hearts uh i remember being on the hype train watching all the stuff coming out because this was around when g4 was still around oh man g4 take me back i told just today's all about nostalgia i suppose yeah yeah so i remember getting really excited i'm like holy crap final fantasy is merging with disney which i'm not as excited about because i'm a teen and really edgy right now but so is that version of Cloud. There's bandages now. I don't know what's going on, but it looks sweet. He's so emo. He's so emo. Yeah. His sword has bandages. Exactly. His sword has wounds. That's how cut up this guy is. <laughs> it was probably Cloud that really hooked me back then because, you know, that's, that's all yeah. it took back then. He was a big pull. Yeah. He was a big pull for sure. And uh, I'd say yeah, I, I beat everything there was to beat in the first game got all the ultimate weapons i could take down sephiroth proudly after reading strategies online it was amazing i really loved it and i p remember playing chain of memories and thought well this is different <laughs> that's a, a polite way of putting it huh like i no, yeah i remember playing kingdom hearts one and now this is the second but it was just so weird um sidebar just added that back to my collection chain of memories Nice, on, like, Game Boy Advance version? Yes, Game Boy Advance. Excellent. I've still got, got my Game Boy Advance version with the box, Ooh. so I quite like that. Beautiful. But I can tell you the value on that in box, with or without <laughs> manual separately, if you'd like, but we'll get back to that. I do, have, I do have the manual. Yeah, let's get to that later. So, I played the second one a little bit, and it just it started feeling too weird to me. Like, I didn't understand... I remember searching online for like all the lore and all the rumors back when rumors were really rumors because you couldn't substantiate anything. Sure, sure. And like the whole Keyblade War and oh yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to come out just right around the corner now that 2 is here. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I remember at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2 when there was the... Uh, you, you never beat Kingdom Hearts 2, did you? No, I didn't, but go ahead and spoil it. Well, it, the, I, I'm not. it's not a spoiler, it's um, the, the secret movie that you unlock by doing X amount of special things during Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, it turned out that that was a teaser for Birth by Sleep. Right. But the movie was Aqua, Ventus, and Terra, the three main characters of Birth by Sleep, Yep. all in their Keyblade armor. So you can yep, see I their remember faces. That movie. You just saw these awesome Power Rangers-looking people yep. in this big armor with like these massive cool Keyblades and fighting this other guy, and they were just getting their butts whooped. That was and in like, like a it just field looked of so so cool, like a... and everyone was like, "This is Kingdom Hearts three! Oh my god!" Right. And it was Birth by Sleep, and people were like, "What?" And it's but a prequel why? set ten years prior yeah. to Kingdom Hearts one, and people were like, "What?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, they just threw me for too, wait, one too many loops over the dream yeah, drop sure, distance, sure. and yeah, Birth by Sleep recoded. Apparently, there's some online Java-based one you have to go through. <laughs> well, Union that Cross, was Japanese was that? exclusive. No, it wasn't. The, Even though how, I, how the online one worked, mm -hmm. the online one was uh, 
in Japan in like 2011 or 2012, they released Kingdom Hearts Key, and it was like the X symbol yeah. that's pronounced like Key. And, oh, okay. And that was Japanese browser exclusive. It never came west. But then a couple <laughs> years later, they decided when like upon the rise of mobile gaming and microtransactions and all that nonsense, they brought it out in the U.S. and worldwide as Kingdom Hearts Unchained Key. Gotcha. And it was like a reimagining of the japanese browser game but they made they were able to some way make the browser game and this revamped retelling (laughs) both canon it's like at the end when they concluded key in japan they made it so that it's like oh all these things have happened and we have to go back things might be different you'll meet us again but but it's, it's going to be the same but different and so Unchained Key technically is a continuation of Key, but like in a different timeline. Oh, wow. And so things happen differently. But it's a way that Japanese players would still feel like they weren't starting from scratch and like right. they could transfer their online profiles onto the new Unchained Key app. So like they wouldn't lose all of their stuff and they could kind of start fresh while not start like a new game plus almost. Yeah. While also allowing the rest of the world to start this game brand new and still not feel like they're completely lost. So key is it completely the probably the most inconsequential because they basically retcon the entire thing to make it unchained key. But then uh, a year into unchained key, they on the game's first anniversary as a mobile app, right. they revamped it and like it didn't start from the beginning again it continued on with more plot progression and whatnot but they changed the title from kingdom hearts unchained key which was k-h-u-x they changed it to kingdom hearts union cross and it's still k-h-u-x but it's a different name and it's been union cross for the last two years see that's what i was familiarized um, with yeah (laughs) so that's the saga of key kingdom hearts key and like, it was Kingdom Hearts Key, ah, Kingdom Hearts Unchained Key, Kingdom Hearts Union Cross. Why? Why do we have to go through that to understand the story? <laughs> that I'm and that's told... only the mobile side of things. Right. And I'm told that that doesn't even, like, the Kingdom Hearts 3 didn't give players their satisfaction or their closure, which, how can you? You can't have satisfaction well, after that. You can't have good closure. I'm... I'm inclined to disagree with that. Like, okay. I didn't expect 100% of questions to be answered because, you right. know, they, they can't. They're, obviously, they want to have pull for a future of the series. Tetsuya Nomura told us before that it wasn't the end of the series with Kingdom Hearts 3, right. but it was the end of the Dark Seeker saga. So, like, it's kind of like the MCU, how uh, Avengers Endgame is going to be the end of what started in Iron Man. So for the last 10 years or 11 years or whatever, those 22 movies are that fa- that saga. The Infinity Saga is what they've dubbed it for okay. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The MCU is continuing. It's starting with Spider-Man Far From Home later this year, and it's going to keep going because right. why wouldn't it? It's massively successful. And just like that, Kingdom Hearts is going to continue. They have confirmed that multiple times. It's just that Kingdom Hearts 3 ends the Dark Seeker Saga. That's the end of Xehanort's story basically so sora is still allegedly going to be the main protagonist and really follow future stories but it's that they're moving on from all of the time like most of the things that they've set up in all of those dozen games over the last 15 years so um that's crazy i i wish them luck 
I hope they find their niche with a new saga. And they get to kind of redo with themselves. Yeah, I think it'll be really good because instead of having people have to start from Kingdom Hearts 1, right. this new saga, it'll be like, you can start here. If you want to play all the past stuff, I'm sure that a lot of it will tie in in the future, but it's not going to be as integral and as important. I think like with whatever comes next, you'll be able to start there fresh with new players without feeling the burden of catching up with everything else. Yeah, and you know, that's... I uh, guess we'll see. I but, probably yeah. get me back but in I, there. Yeah. Yeah, but like while there were things that they didn't that they could have tied up in Kingdom Hearts three that I kind of wish they did. Honestly, ninety percent of what I wanted to see, I saw. There That's were good. a lot of reunions that it, they've been building up to for a long time, and a lot of people that were gone that ca- that yeah that were gone that came back, and I still have questions. But it's not a bad type of I have questions. It's like I'm intrigued. I want to see more. Okay. But I'm satisfied with what we got from Kingdom Hearts 3. So it's definitely divisive. People are on both sides of that fence. But that's where I sit. So do you think, uh, with their new saga of Kingdom Hearts, that they will either try to make Final Fantasy a part of it again? Because, like, didn't it kind of die out? Is there still Final Fantasy in 3 at all, or is it gone now? Uh, Final Fantasy is there more in spirit than anything like moogles are still the shops okay like you can go to moogle shops and there when in the gummy ship there are different final fantasy models you can unlock like uh the bomb or the moogle or chocobo or like other creatures but okay. like the characters are mentioned a couple times not all of them but so some of them. final fantasies in kingdom hearts now like wario's and smash now like i mean if you look he's technically there I mean, Wario. Oh, oh you mean wow. Waluigi? I'm sorry, Waluigi. <laughs> yeah, he's there, but he's not there. Yeah, like he's there, but sure. You know. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, it's. I think they're going to come back, but uh, and while I'm definitely disappointed that they weren't there in Kingdom Hearts three, I can appreciate their reasoning because I actually wrote an article about this a few years ago. How. Kingdom Hearts has basically destroyed the necessity for outside characters and worlds by creating and expanding their own mythos. Like, there are so many original Kingdom Hearts worlds and characters now. In Kingdom Hearts 1, there's just Sora, Riku, Kairi, and Ansem, and every other character was either Disney or Final Fantasy. Whereas, as soon as Chain of Memories pops up, you've got Organization 13, and you only meet half of their members, and you meet the other half of them in Kingdom Hearts 2, and that's over a dozen new characters that are just specific to Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. And so the the stories for the Final Fantasy characters were always pretty supplemental, but like the main crew from Kingdom Hearts 1 with Leon and Yuffie and Aerith and Sid and those guys in Traverse Town, mm-hmm. their story does basically wrap up in Kingdom Hearts 2. There are other threads that they could follow, like Cloud and Sephiroth have a battle in Kingdom Hearts 1 and in Kingdom Hearts 2, and at the end of their battle in Kingdom Hearts 2, they disappear. And people were really hoping for a conclusion to the Cloud and Sephiroth clash in 3. Yeah. And maybe they'll do it for DLC because they're working on DLC. But um, hmm. I I would honestly be okay. I've, I've been thinking about writing an article. I, I'm not like writing for any games outlet right now. But I've just had this article in my head recently that's like four games. Four Kingdom Hearts games I want to see before Kingdom Hearts 4. Okay. And... One of them I'd love to see is, like, a Final Fantasy slice of life game, but set in the Kingdom Hearts world. So, like, while Sora and his friends are going on the Kingdom Hearts 3 adventure... Okay, yeah. Uh, you, 
you see events unfolding in Radiant Garden, which is the Final Fantasy character's hometown, basically. But you don't get to explore that world in Kingdom Hearts 3. You see events happening there in specific situ in specific spots of the town, but you don't see the Final Fantasy characters. You're seeing other Kingdom Hearts characters where they belong. Right. But maybe you could have chapters of like, let's follow Leon for a while. Let's follow Aerith for a while. Let's follow Tifa for a while and see what they're up to during Kingdom Hearts 3's events. Yeah. And then in Kingdom Hearts 2, in Twilight Town, you've got uh, Cypher and Fu and Rai and Vivi, who are all like a group of friends that hang out. Right. And in Kingdom that. Hearts 3, in Kingdom Hearts 3, you hear some townsfolk being like, where's Cypher and the gang? Where have they been? And someone's like, oh, they went off on some big adventure. And I'm like, I'd love to see what adventure those guys are on. That'd right. be an awesome chapter to explore. Like, it doesn't have to be a big, dramatic Kingdom Hearts entry. It can just be kind of fun seeing what other characters are up to. I could get so around that. I, that's And that would, I think, satisfy a lot of the people that felt burned by the lack of Final Fantasy characters in this. Bring us a Final Fantasy game in the Kingdom Hearts universe. Yeah, because real, like, that's really what I... I think that was part of the, the, the biggest draw for like Kingdom Hearts 1 and when I was such a fan back then is because I was really getting into Final Fantasy back then. So like I was yeah. just hitting my stride. Like I just played 9, I'd played 10, it blew me away. Then I got to see all these awesome characters come to life again in a whole different... like fashion yeah for sure and then as they started dying out you know so did uh so did my lack or so did my love i was never been a huge disney guy like i you know i'll watch everything disney i don't keep up on disney i still haven't even seen toy story 3 yet oh wow yeah yes. like i just <laughs> yeah no I, I keep i keep well up with disney i'm i'm the kind of person i was what, what am i i'm like 32 now i was 25 when frozen one came out in cinemas and i went out and i went and saw it in cinema not with any like nephews or cousins or sure like, i just my, heather and i went and saw it <laughs> because i thought hey this looks like fud i mean uh wreck it ralph's a, a bit more applicable but my wife and i did the same we went out and saw that sure just, sure just because yeah of it was wreck it ralph and i wanted to see video games but Absolutely. yeah as far as uh disney goes i've i haven't they haven't caught me like they've caught the billions of others out there and i tell you what i tell you what wreck it ralph the <laughs> character ralph is a summon in kingdom hearts 3 awesome and in kingdom hearts union cross the mobile game you right. go to a lot of di different disney worlds that you've already been to in the other games and they're finally getting their first disney world exclusive to kingdom hearts union cross in the next couple months sure and it's the wreck it ralph world that's awesome game central let's Station. see him get a little more love just because you're yeah. a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. Yeah. Remember that, people. So, I guess this can uh, kind of segue back into your retro gaming bit being... Uh, yeah. Ralph is a retro gaming character that was made for the movie, but has become quite beloved. He is. Here's a fun story about Wreck-It Ralph. So... Tell me. There's a, a bar just north of us a little bit called The Grid in Lansing, Michigan. It That's is cool. a video game bar that uh, has a lot of really neat arcades in there, or arcade cabinets in there. Um, they're one of the, you know, up-and-coming barcade trends where you buy sure. beer, they give you tokens when you buy a beer, you play games. A it's, Dave and Buster's, if you will. No, no, no. Not like that at all. No? No, it is all retrocades. Like, everything is okay, completely nice. retro. Everything only costs a quarter. It's not a dollar. Cool. Yes. One token is one quarter. Games only cost a token. It's beautiful. Very good. And you get three tokens with the beer, so, I mean, they know how to get you. 
But yeah, absolutely. They do have one newer cabinet in there, and it's Fix-It Felix Jr. They have <laughs> a Fix-It Felix Jr. cabinet in the arcade. Funny story, uh, there's one of those near me, too. Beautiful. I just I just discovered it. What's today? We're recording on a Tuesday for me. I discovered it two days ago. Uh, I Every Sunday, I work in the city mm-hmm. at a board game cafe, and where I park is about one block away from the, the cafe. Sure. And in between there, there's a pub that I've, I've been working there for like two for years. For a little while. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And... I parked in the same spot every week and I walked down there and there's a pub that I passed by that I never really paid any attention to, except in the last few months, I've noticed that the exterior design and decorations have kind of changed. And I realized finally last week that they've undergone new management and they've like totally like they changed their name and the place is called save Ferris and it's got, you know, Ferris Bueller quotes and paintings and stuff inside. And it's like a barcade. That's and awesome. It's like there's the, there's the bar with all the drinks and stuff, but like outside the exterior decorations, it's like the windows are all space invadered up. Oh, that's really inside nice. Inside they've they've got lots of like they've got a whole full row of pinball machines. Yep. And they've in the back they've got a handful of arcade cabinets. They've got uh, multiple space invaders and Donkey Kongs and a couple of those like homebrew ones with dozens of games on them. Oh yeah. And one of them is a Fix It Felix Jr. I'm like, this is amazing. Why have I not stopped in here before? It's awesome. Maybe I'll have yeah, to come one, to work half an hour early next time. <laughs> I was uh, I was so shocked yeah, when I walked in there, and it's like it, the whole cabinet's done up like it's supposed to be a Fix-It Felix Jr. cabinet. Yeah. Well, they no, do. I, I've, seen, I've seen stuff like that before, but only at, like, conventions. Yeah. So it's really neat to see them out in the wild. It was awesome. Uh, when I went up there last, it was actually during one of their Beat the Brewer challenges. So they would host a certain brewery that day and the brewer would show up and you could challenge them to any game in the house and you got some swag and some goodies if you beat them. And I just, I sat there until the man walked away after watching my score. And I probably, (laughs) I probably played a good 10 minutes after he left. That's awesome. Needless to say, I won. That's so funny. Needless to say. Fix-It Felix Jr. gets hard, by the way. I believe it. I haven't actually played it yet, but it, uh, I believe it, you. It gets difficult when you start getting into the, the upper echelon levels. Some ducks start coming across and hitting Felix, and <laughs> the nice landers are few and far between. They don't set as many pies out for you. Man, jerks. It gets tough, man. But yeah, retro gaming. It's awesome. I love it. I want to get an arcade cabinet. I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but my, my holy grail of gaming paraphernalia is I really want a Pokemon Snap blockbuster kiosk. I, yep, I did know that. Yeah. That is just... so That'd be perfect. I hope that's someday... That's where I'm at. That, that's like the main retro thing that I would like, because I love it. For me, I don't think there's anything main right now. I don't have one goal. I've just got several. So... What are some of those? What are what are you looking for right now? Well, currently, in my, uh, my Fungin, as we'll call it, that's my fun dungeon. Another little, fi- you know, Wreck-It Ralph <laughs> nod. Kind of um, sounds like a sex thing. It's not before 11. Um, <laughs> after 11, we shut down for an hour and reopen as the Boom Boom Room, but that's invite only. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Fungin, I've got six consoles in there currently. I've got all the, f- the first four Nintendos, your NES, Super Nintendo, 64, GameCube, got them all, all working great. I do have a PS1 and a Genesis in there right now, too. Nice. 
So, I got a lot of good classics going on. GameCube, I don't have a lot of games for. I really have a lot for my 64, because I brought that with me from childhood and sparked that into getting more stuff. Yep. Uh, I think next is really console. I really want to get a Dreamcast next for that collection for uh, Soul Calibur. I just love oh, Soul yeah, Calibur. Yeah, yeah. Got to get that. And I, I don't have a PlayStation 2 right now. No? Wow. That's surprising. Yeah, I've got I've got nothing. I am zeroed out on PS2 because I was one of those irresponsible gamers. And for any of you listening that feel like an irresponsible gamer that wants to get rid of their gaming nostalgic stuff and sell it because, I mean, you're not going to use it again. Don't do that. Just hold on to it. You know? So if you don't have uh, room for your gaming stuff, I always advise starting with the kids, kicking them out first. (laughs) If your collection grows too big, if you've got a significant other, which you had kids, you probably did, get rid of them. Uh, Cats go probably before the kids. Dogs go last, though. If you got to get rid of your dog, we'll talk. But keep that collection because there's a lot of stuff that I've gotten rid of that I'll probably never get again, and it's uh yeah no it's it's terrible. I I stopped I stopped getting rid of games for the most part. The second first or second time I traded games in for store credit, I had Bloody Roar Primal Fury on GameCube. Okay. And I had Sonic Adventure Two Battle on GameCube, and I had something else that I can't remember. But I was never really big into fighting games, but I really enjoyed Bloody Roar. Oh yeah, yeah that, I like entry, really that one entry, and I played the ever-loving snot out of Sonic Adventure Two Battle, especially with the Chow Garden. Oh, the Chow content. Garden was Love just it. so amazing. Oh, you so ate addictive. up so much time. It's like I'm honestly amazed they haven't released a Chow Garden mobile app in the modern age because that would go crazy. I think. <laughs> yeah, come on, Sega. We know you're listening to this. Get on it. But for some reason. Maybe there's a game coming out. I can't remember. This is how important it was to me, I think. Like, I can't remember the game that I was trying to get that I wanted store credit for. But I can remember the games that I got rid of. It was probably At Gale of Darkness. Two. No, I never had uh, Gale of Darkness. That's Pokemon, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I never had wow, that. Wow, that hurt. Yeah, that's Pokemon. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, so... I remember the games I got rid of because the very next week I was like, I wish I had those games. I, why did I get rid of them? <sighs> like, I can't remember what I wanted to get instead, but I was really disappointed that I didn't have them. And I, to this day, I still don't have Bloody Roar Primal Fury anymore. I've bought, I've rebought Sonic, but yeah, Bloody Roar's yeah. A hard from then on, I decided I'm not getting rid of games. Well, I'm glad you learned your lesson young. I repeated mistakes over and over again. But yeah. I think my my crowns of the of my retro gaming collection right now are probably uh, were a donation from an old friend. I have the Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons Zelda games for Game Boy Color inbox with manual, both of them. And with that, he also gave me the Golden Triforce Game Boy Advance SP. Wow, that's awesome! So I've got all those working. That's really cool. That is really cool. I've also been trying to collect as many Dungeons and Dragons games as I can. Yep. Anytime I come across another Dungeons and Dragons game of uh, the retro era, I'll pick that up. I've got like three right now. Four if you include Shadowrun, just because it's part of the tabletop. Those are those are all really bad. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I've got one for the NES that's really bad. Like, it's 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 a game that I don't think people realize back then that was designed... You, spo- you were supposed to have the manual. It is assumed you bought the game, so you have this book with you that tells you what and how to do. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no tutorials for this game. It's like, hey, you're in a dungeon with seven other adventurers. Good luck not dying on the second what screen. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You man, two buttons. Old games are like that, eh? Yeah, you had to get really creative, too, with only two buttons. Yeah, for sure. How do you cast a spell, run, open this door? I, I don't know. I still, to this day, haven't figured that one out. Uh, the Genesis had some pretty good D&D games on it, though. I got Shadowrun and an, uh, another Dungeons & Dragons game on that. It surprised me. It has, like, an overworld RTS-style, well, tactical-style battle system. But if you go into a dungeon, it turns into that first-person roguelike. Okay. So it's got two different kind of genre mashups that both work for That's that style cool. of game. I dig it. I would. I went too far north and got beat by some beast men. Like seven people ambushed me out of the woods. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. These games are impossible. But I had fun. And you and you have them. And They're I have part them. of the collection. They are. And they do come out. Uh, a lot of games sit on this, you know, when you have those kind of collections, will sit and collect dusk. But what's going to happen is you're going to bring that one friend over and you're going to go hey, let's play some old games. And that friend's going to see mm. that one game on your shelf that they're like, no way. I can't yeah. believe I used to play this all the time. It was the only game my grandma bought it for me. I know every map. <laughs> we got to play. And I'm like, all and right. That's what it's for. Dude, it's Super Mario 2. Like, <laughs> like, if you, all right, cool. Let's play it. Yeah, and I've actually that's, had friends donate games to me that way too. They're like, hey, I saw this at the game shop. I can't play it anymore, but I used to play it as a kid. So I bought it. That's cool. It's here now. Yeah, it's kind of a little community hub in my backyard now. I love it. And then uh, they, they donate to you, and then they're like, hey, can I come over and play? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anybody that's made a donation is free to come over and enjoy the Fungin. So the Fungin, we've there talked about it a few times now. Let's expand. Yep. Because they don't yeah, know what the Fungin is. Sure. I was lucky enough to get a house with a large shed in the backyard with electricity. So I, was, I found it the opportune place to create the perfect man cave. Away from the house, there's no noise, there's no hooting, no hollering. Anybody that's in my house can rest easy. Mm-hmm. My wife, <laughs> when all the boys are over and being rowdy. And uh, we sure. have a little escape. So out there, I've got a, uh, I think it's a 32-inch. I kept saying 37 for the longest time, but I think it's 32. Uh, Toshiba Cinema Series CRT Television. Excellent. Perfect for any retro gaming collection. Yes, because as everyone nowadays knows, if you put a 64 up to a high-definition television, you do not get good. Oh my god, good. It's, it's garbage. Yeah, it's real the bad. hottest garbage. But hook it up to an old CRT, and that beauty plays it like you remember. Scan lines and all. Yep, scan lines and all. So I went to Reddit, and uh, I shopped my CRT around on there, and I'm like, hey, I see you guys you know, do this kind of stuff. Is this good for gaming? And they're like, yep. Thankfully, it was just a hand-me-down from my parents back from when they had their CRTs. It was their last one. Perfect. So I took that, got all the inputs in there, and of course, I've got you know your quintessential IKEA gamer three by one cubicles with LED strips above them for the consoles. Sure, it's sure. cheesy, but it works, you know. Hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I've got some friends that donated a nice LED sign. It looks like the outline of a generic game controller, and it just says "game room" and flashes and LEDs, which is cool. Nice. But it's not just about the retro gaming, although there is a a healthy supply of that. I do also have a table that sits six of my friends to play Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder tabletop gamings. 
There's also a yeah, small I, dry bar mm-hmm. and a large projector and screen in a dark corner. You were you were telling me about your D and D Pathfinder setup the other day, mm-hmm. and I thought that was the coolest thing. This uh, this thing that you're working on. Yeah. Can you tell me about your project? So, I absolutely love Pathfinder. It is my favorite tabletop gaming system. Um, I've played a couple others, but it was my first. You know. So it's the one I was most familiar yeah. with. And once you started learning it, sure. I'm like, I love it. So uh, I really wanted to get better at storytelling. I've always loved stories. I've always liked designing video games. We you know as a kid, as many of us do nowadays, I think. We can all reflect right. when we drew video game maps on some grim paper. But uh, I've still kind of carried that with me. And I really enjoyed the storytelling aspect of video games. So naturally, as I slid into Pathfinder, I was like, hey... I can do all these cool storytelling things and not have to program anything or draw (laughs) a whole lot. I can just describe things to people and we play. So I fell in love with it. It's awesome. However, I still like the video game aspect and the whole video game world. So I wanted to figure out a way to combine tabletop gaming and video gaming in a way that still felt like tabletop gaming, where it was still a group of friends sitting at a table, pen and paper in hand, but uh, one that also meshed with our video games. So I I use this program that I've been using since high school called RPG Maker. Uh, It's had several different versions since then. I'm using one currently called VX Ace from 2014, I believe. Uh, It could be 2012. Don't fact check me here. And uh, I'm using it to do interactive world maps and battle maps for my players so they have a better visual representation of what's going on and not only that it's not like a static map pack that you would buy from paizo or other third-party publishers where either it's a generic landscape that means nothing to the characters it's just like wood tile pack number four here's taverns number five but since it's a, a really easy to use program like seriously microsoft paint easy to use drag and drop kind of stuff I can, on the fly, in between sessions, when I'm setting up the next bit of story, customize it around how my players react and play and explore and think and really tailor a really neat hybrid video tabletop game to their experience. It's been uh, it's been pretty successful. We've ran one session so far. We're going to run another one this Thursday coming up. I've been uh, working on expanding maps and programming different quality of life features to it. I figured out how to get a working battle system where I could have a, a faux cursor. I think it's supposed to be a, a fairy sprite in the game, technically. It's just a little blinky light that can kind of dance and okay. flutter. But I use it as a cursor so I can move people around the map and show them how to use cover and all in a cutesy 16-bit sprite stylized world. And that's that's so cool because I know... I think it depends on the DM, probably. Oh, it absolutely. I've had very limited... I've had very limited experience with tabletop RPGs. I've only started playing them a little bit in the last year, which uh, I'm very keen to do more of. I just don't have much opportunity right now, especially having a newborn. Yeah. But um, I think it probably depends on the skill of the storyteller and the DM, but I feel like sometimes it might be difficult to get immersed in the world if they're not, like if maybe they're new to it or whatever, but like just having this screen this world to like visually represent your characters and what you're going through. Like that's awesome to me. Even if they're a good storyteller, like just having that supplementary visual aid is awesome. Oh, absolutely. And 
our generation now is so screen focused, even if we pretend we're not yeah, or definitely. try to be cool and say, no, 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 I cut off the screen. I don't use the screen. We do, though. Everybody does. Everyone just automatically focuses on the screen. So if you can use the screen as you know your main focus to tell your story, it just helps so much more in keeping their attention. And uh, not only that, but it helps fill in those those fine details that good storytellers innately had. So I'm not going to yeah, call definitely. myself a great storyteller, but I was pretty good. You know, I felt like I uh, crafted an, an interesting enough world in my own head, but it was really hard to get them to see exactly what I saw because I could, you know, I'd forget from time to time that they're not there with me. I made this whole sure. world up. I know what, you know, the bugs look like crawling in the dirt when I look down at my feet, but they don't. And I can try to explain, but to get that kind of detail, I'm taking too long to talk. Mm. Or to just explaining things that became irrelevant and you didn't want to keep explaining every time they walked into a new building. Or every time they walked into a new grove. You know, the kind of trees yeah, and the kind of vegetation what around. Are around. Yeah. I could just go, yeah, oh, you just know look what? at their Here, surroundings. Check the map. This is what it looks like. But in doing I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. But um, if... if they walk into an area and on the game you they walk into this next area like let's say they go into a tavern sure and then there's an investigation role or like a perception role or something mm -hmm. like just things that they are it, is it do you have like an overlay or something that oh they rolled like a 20 perception so they can see this and that that they didn't notice before no like is there something that you can pop that up or is it just You'll, you'll yes. just explain um, from there. Like, this is what the place looks like, but they've taken notice of this thing over here. I absolutely could do that, and I thought about it, where I could have it um, roll random number generator, 1 through 20, to do 20-sided die, add a variable for whatever stats they have. But I think, like, that's the line that I wanted to come up to and not cross. I still want dice okay. at the table. Like, it's still a oh, tabletop sure, sure, sure. RPG at its heart. I don't want a video game that we play at a table... I want a tabletop yeah. RPG that a video game accompanies. Fair if enough. that makes sense. No, perfectly. So above my table uh, out in my shed, I've got this old pendant light that we found in my father-in-law's attic that he let us have, thankfully. We've got that strung up now, so it's got this old kind of pub-style tavern. And because of technology, I was able to go on Amazon.com and buy this sweet light bulb for about $15 that screws in and has a speaker built into this light bulb right over a gaming table. What? So I hook up an app called DNDify. Again, thank you, technology. Which, as long as you're <laughs> a Spotify premium member, it will sync up to your Spotify and pull out DND theme tracks based on like moods or situations or feelings. That's ridiculous. And then the and light, like amazing. Yeah, the light also changes colors with the remote as well. So if it's like what? nighttime, I can hit blue. And it's a whole, like, a blue shadowy mist over the table. Or That's incredible. Yeah. So I'm really trying to get so, into that, bring them in, and that screen was just the perfect way to get them to see it. Now, I don't let them be in control the entire time either, though. That is also important. They don't get to freely wander around every map I make. I use it as a visual sure. storytelling guide. But there are certain maps where I want to have more fun with it. And I'll be like, okay, here, I'm handing you guys the controller now. Use a little Steam controller for it. Works wonderful. And uh, then they get to explore and kind of, like, go into the RPG mode all of a sudden where they start clicking on every item and they're really searching. Yeah. And so, in anticipation of that, too, you have to... <laughs> exactly. That's just what you do when you're handed a controller and say, okay, search the map. 
you search yep. the map. You sure do. But by doing that, I can purposely put in fun bits of lore or even side quest into things that they would search. And they go, oh, wait a minute. I was looking at this, but it says this. And now they're all talking like it's a video game. They break yeah. away. And now we're playing tabletop again. That's awesome. That's very clever. I like it. Like, I am coming to my hometown where you live in ooh, a few ooh. months. And I'm going to be visiting. And I think this is a must visit Mm-hmm. like actually need to prioritize because you know every I pre- time I, I visit it's just so tough to keep up with everybody you're a very and busy and very well loved it man <laughs> it, it's it's humbling every time i go home and so many people are like oh man we gotta catch up and it's it's really you are, nice. it's like, good feels yeah you're 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 a pivot you're the hub of like the wheel of friends around jackson somehow it's, so funny, some, eh? it's true though like so many different friend groups you're involved in they're like, oh, yeah, you know Zach. Well, yeah, I know Zach. Like, you're, you know, I'm that like, whole pseudo-celebrity back from the 2000 era. I'm like Vaughn in Final Fantasy Twelve. I'm not the main character, but everybody, like, I'm the beacon that everybody is drawn towards. Exactly. All the main characters come to me. I like that. I like <laughs> um, that. Like, the most important uh, second fiddle player. <laughs> That's fair. But, yeah, I'd be honored to host a, a fun little session when you're in town. And you get to, so you can get check out the... Just the whole setup would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, it should I'm be looking forward to it, man. Amplified by then, because we have actually insulated the shed, uh, and we've put up some tarping over the insulation, and then within the next uh, month or two, ideally next month or two, we're going to finish drywalling and actually lay some floor in there too, so it'll be a proper, a proper little hut. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, have you ever played Talisman? Talisman? I guess not. Are you familiar? No? Okay. So, Talisman is a kind of fantasy board game. Okay. Let, 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 me, let me see. Let me just read the adventure or the, the description on Board Game Geek. Uh, Talisman is an adventure board game set in a high fantasy medieval world. Players have 14 characters to choose from, all based on role-playing archetypes such as heroes, wizards, villains, thieves, monsters, etc. The game makes players feel they are traveling the world to find equipment, weapons, and ancient relics and companions that will fi- help them on their quest to acquire the Crown of Command. Along the way, they visit various locales in the worlds, battle each other, and fantastic creatures to make their way to the top. So interesting. The that sounds like a pretty interesting... Uh, yeah, that sounds like a really neat board game. It seems like you could do a lot it's, with that. Like, uh, It's got dice rolling, role playing, yeah. roll and spin, uh, variable po- player powers, stuff like that. So it's like... Is there I, any I implementations think... of Talisman? You mean like with different skins and stuff? Yeah, is there anything like that out there? That's why I brought it up because uh, I haven't played Talisman. I just know of it because we have it at the board game shop I mentioned earlier that I work at. Mm-hmm. But um, I haven't played it yet. But what got me really interested in wanting to play it is just about a month or so ago. Was it the it was Batman Supervillains Edition? The Batman no. Supervillains Edition. That's probably what got you, wasn't no. it? No? Uh, yeah, man. I think I think you know what I'm getting to. <laughs> I don't. Talisman Kingdom Hearts no. coming this year. I I genuinely can't tell if you're being sarcastic and you knew about it or if it's actually like shocking and surprising to you. Well, after you said board game geek and had a review, I just followed your lead, and then I saw as you yeah, were reading okay. down the uh, the very end of exactly what you're reading came to Kingdom Hearts, and I was like, ooh, ooh. right, okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, no, I had not heard of this before. <laughs> But I am uh, very intrigued at how you could do a 
Kingdom Hearts style board game tabletop hybrid? Question mark. I would love to. So there's something else I'll tell you about which we've discussed on the show uh, before, called uh, Interstitial. Are you familiar with that? Interst. No. Interstitial. Our hearts intertwined. It's a. I think it's powered by the apocalypse. That the, these uh, guys who have their own series of podcasts that they do based on Kingdom Hearts, based on other games and stuff. But uh, they've they last year started this homebrew called Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwined, which they've made. They did a Kickstarter for, was successful, and you can go on their website and buy it, uh, buy a PDF of it. And <laughs> Interstitial is basically using the Powered by the Apocalypse system to make your own Kingdom Hearts-ish story. So right. like they've got a, an actual play podcast out with season one finished and season two just started recently. And like they, you can use at first they started where like you could have any character in the Disney or final fantasy scope. Yeah. Like more so than just what they have in kingdom hearts. Like one of them ends up going like playing the game as Chris angel, the mind freak. Okay. Because he is owned by like a like that personality is owned by abc or something which is under the disney umbrella right so like it's incorporating everything and then someone plays roxanne from the, a goofy movie okay and then someone else plays an original character so like there's there's a lot of different ways you can go about it but like the all the classes and all the stuff that you can be are themed around kingdom hearts huh and that's really cool and that made me think, like, gosh, that'd be really cool to play a Kingdom Hearts RPG yeah. just because I'm such a big Kingdom Hearts fan. No, that'd be amazing. And, and then just a couple months ago, it was announced that they're doing Talisman Kingdom Hearts. And that, the description uh... for that is, in Talisman Kingdom Hearts, Sora, Kairi, Riku, King Mickey, Goofy, and other comrades must acquire the needed strength and magic to seal the door to darkness and keep Heartless from consuming the communal worlds. An artful board game with three regions, custom marbleized six-sided dice, tokens, and cards maintain the beloved aspects and exploratory spirit of earlier versions of the Talisman board game while offering lighthearted Disney nostalgia. Memorable locations such as Neverland and Traverse Town, money-themed currency, gummy paths, and more comprise a brand new journey to the delight of sentimental fans, <laughs> i.e. myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I probably buy it for the minis wow. and dice i was gonna say so like all i'd re- i'd seen the description before but i didn't know how what all characters they were i just now saw in this description from the distributor listing the 11 plastic figures are sora Kyrie, ventus donald mickey shion riku goofy aqua tara and mulan <laughs> i mean yeah you gotta have mulan she was quintessential Such an integral and important character in those games mm-hmm appeared in a total of one <laughs> yeah no that's what's yeah that's awesome that's really cool it's really cool so like I, I i it's not out yet i don't think but it will be no right now it just says uh, 2019 on here but that's one to look out yeah, for yeah it's, it's supposed to come out i think in june or july but man like it's it's something i'm super keen on and i hope we get at the shop because i don't have the money to buy it myself right now but yeah. Yeah. So that looks awesome. I'm very excited to see all that stuff. I do have a couple board games out there, but I'm not uh I'm not a board game aficionado like a lot of people uh in the sure. the kind of geek community or the tabletop community, a lot of them sway into board games as well. And I haven't uh I haven't mm. gotten there yet. But uh hopefully when we finish the drywall in there, we're gonna put up some shelving and I'll have some more space to display things proper. Definitely. Yeah. Until then. 
So if you've checked your phone, you'll see that I've actually sent you some files that I've been keeping uh, to myself for a while. Something okay. I haven't uh, I haven't actually done yet, but I want to keep them in the chamber because I do like tabletop okay. gaming. Are these things that you've put together? No, 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 no. I, I was going to say, holy moly, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not that good. I, I do. I did build a custom class once for uh, Link or a Hero of Time, as I called it, for Pathfinder. But that was sure. just for me, not for anybody else. This, uh, okay. These are free resources I found online through different gaming sites for custom created tabletop gaming with rules and regulations and, you know, very official sounding stuff. Uh, the yeah, first definitely. one I sent you was a three book compilation of a Pokemon tabletop game that literally that has... the green one? Pokemon Tabletop Adventures. Yeah. Pokemon Sun and Moon Pokedex 1.5.1 update. It literally has all the Pokemon through Sun and Moon in it. They've statted out every single Pokemon for this tabletop game. Yeah. Yeah, this Google Doc you shared with me is 832 pages. What in the world? <laughs> Crazy. But these people did it. And it actually, it, if you when you read it out and you see how everything works... It works. Like, it's a fun Pokemon awesome. tabletop. We've done some, you know, playthroughs in our head and rolled some dice on some stats just to see how stuff worked, but haven't actually got to put sure. pen to paper, as it were. But it looks like a lot of fun. They say that as far as the story goes, you know, just kind of give your players each some starters to choose from and make mm -hmm. up your own Pokemon adventure. Like, there's there's not a whole that's, lot of hard rules, and that's the key. Don't use too many really rules. Cool. It's, it's like with the Kingdom Hearts thing, right? Like with Interstitial, it's... You're using the the Kingdom Hearts world as a basis for mm -hmm. making your own story and your own adventure, and this is just like that, right? It's using 100% Pokemon mechanics and and the world. You just make your own adventure there. Yep, they oh, just man, laid like, out how to do it with dice, and you just get that's to do something it. I think that intrigues me the most about tabletop RPGs is not necessarily just sticking straight to D and D or Monster of the Week or whatever, like, but straight up taking properties that you already know and love and making your own stories it's like interactive fan fiction and that's awesome to me oh it absolutely is and when we play i always or whenever i gm i like to throw those you know subtle nods to other kind of games and just because it's this stuff we all appreciate and i, I think part of the the reason i didn't have fun when i first started doing D D and i do now in this recent years is because it's the group you got to have the right group together that know understands yeah, sure. it's a game it's meant to be fun like people take games too seriously nowadays people take the mmo is way too seriously at the yeah, end of the day definitely. it's a game it's meant to be fun like don't don't get caught up on the rules try to stick to them as close as you can but at the end of the day make sure everybody has a good time and that pokemon yeah, one just sure. sounds great it really does. The second one I sent you is a complete Final Fantasy tabletop. Yep, I see that. 418 pages. Yep, and that one kind of overviews how to play out. That's uh, a lot more math and a lot bigger numbers. But uh, it, if you want to just time looking in. at the most basic of basic there, it looks like this is more based on, uh, what, what's the world called? The world from Final Fantasy XII and Tactics and... Avalis? Uh, Vagrant Story. Is that uh, it? Yeah, Ivalice. 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 Not Avalis. Just because it's got the yeah. the Bangas and the Ronsos and the Viera. It all sounds very much inspired by Ivalice rather than Final Fantasy as a whole. It absolutely was. 
I which, think which is totally fine. Yeah, that's not like a criticism. Drew, like, that's the like MMOs just the races as their bases down yeah, to yeah, sure. tabletop. Yeah. yeah, so those are two things you could uh, check out sometime. Print them out at your game shop, hand them around. They were free, and they uh, <laughs> they, have, they, they got the publisher's info in them for their credits because definitely I did not do that. But they're really cool, and I think yeah. people need to realize that it's not just Dungeons and Dragons out there. That if there's something you're passionate yeah. about, there's a game you're into. Someone probably already made it into a tabletop game for you to enjoy. Oh yeah, for sure. People make character sheets about the most ridiculous. People made character sheets about memes. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's great though. Like it's the ridiculous. The Buff character, it was amazing. <laughs> I think it was a uh, drunk on homebrew shared that as a. Uh, is a monster they had created called the actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Mm. Nigh unbeatable, just so you know. Incredible. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. That's what you've been up to. Well, that that uh, seems like a pretty good place to call it, I think. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, that that hour went by like nothing. Real fast, and I am super happy not, that you're going to be coming into town this like year so I can share this with you. <laughs> no, it didn't yeah, at all. Man, I'm, I'm, we could have gone I'm on stoked. all night. Yeah, that's why I'm like... Before we move on, we should probably just put a pin in it there. Maybe we can have a, have a follow-up episode with you in the future. Hey, yeah, I'd always come back. Absolutely. Are, is there anywhere that people can find you online? And if not, that's okay. I really don't have much of an online presence. I apologize. I'm. Uh, no, that's fine. I just don't. You're not the first on the show. Yeah, I don't get super social online. I like being social in person with people. That's why you've got the fungin. That's why I've got the fungin, so I can gather my friends. So what's what's your home address so people can come to your fungin? Oh, well, that one's easy. That's uh, if you could just add a bunch of beeps in right here, that'd be perfect. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, perfect. And then after you take the right, make sure to go just past the maple. You'll see it. All right. Perfect. Sounds good. Ah, thanks. So, uh, thank you for joining me. This has been episode 24 of Kingdom Hearts and Other Stuff. You can find the show on Twitter at ChaosCast. That's Chaos with a K. And you can find me as well at Zachary P. Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S. Chaos is a part of the Nerd Pals Network, which you can find at nerdpals.network. And by searching for Super Nerd Pals on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. Along with Super Nerd Pals and Chaos, we've also currently got a special limited run show on our feed called Wonderful, a celebration of Pokemon Snap, where Andy from Super Nerd Pals joins me as we recall 20 years of Pokemon Snap and constantly beg Nintendo to make a sequel. Thank you again to Josh really for should, joining though. me. And they really should. God, please, Nintendo. Please. Come on, guys. <laughs> Thanks also to Project Distati for my excellent theme music. Check out more Project Distati's music at projectdistati.bandcamp.com. This has been episode 24 of Kingdom Hearts and Other Stuff. May your heart be your guiding key.